Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chapter 12 of The Legends of King Arthur and His Knights by James Knowles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 The Quest of the Sangreal and the Adventures of Sir Percival, Sir Bors, and Sir Galahad. Part One: The Bewitching of Merlin, The Knighting of Sir Galahad, and the Commencement of the Quest for the Sangreal. After these things Merlin fell into a dotage of love for a damsel of the Lady of the Lake, and would let her have no rest, but followed her in every place. And ever she encouraged him, and made him welcome, till she had learned all his crafts that she desired to know. Then upon a time she went with him beyond the sea to the land of Benwick, and as they went he showed her many wonders, till at length she was afraid, and would fain have been delivered from him. And as they were in the forest of Broceliande, they sat together under an oak tree, and the damsel prayed to see all that charm whereby men might be shut up yet alive in rocks or trees. But he refused her a long time, fearing to let her know, yet in the end her prayers and kisses overcame him, and he told her all. Then did she make him great cheer, but anon, as he lay down to sleep, she softly rose and walked about him, waving her hands and muttering the charm, and presently enclosed him fast within the tree whereby he slept and therefrom nevermore he could by any means come out for all the crafts that he could do. And so she departed, and left Merlin. At the vigil of the next feast of Pentecost, when all the knights of the round table were met together at Camelot, and had heard mass and were about to sit down to meet, there rode into the hall a fair lady on horseback, who went straight up to King Arthur where he sat upon his throne, and reverently saluted him. "'God be with thee, fair damsel,' quoth the king. "'What desirest thou of me?' "'I pray thee tell me, lord,' she answered, "'where Sir Lancelot is.' "'Yonder may ye see him,' said King Arthur. Then went she to Sir Lancelot, and said, "'Sir, I salute thee in King Pallas's name.' and require thee to come with me into the forest hereby. Then asked he her with whom she dwelt, and what she wished of him. I dwell with King Pellis, said she, whom Balin erst so sorely wounded when he smote the Dolores stroke. It is he who hath sent me to call thee. I will go with thee gladly, said Sir Lancelot, and bade his squire straightway saddle his horse and bring his armor. Then came the queen to him, and said, Sir Lancelot, will ye leave me thus at this high feast? Madam, replied the damsel, by dinner-time to-morrow he shall be with you. If I thought not, said the queen, he should not go with thee by my good will. 
then sir lancelot and the lady rode forth till they came to the forest and in a valley thereof found an abbey of nuns whereby a squire stood ready to open the gates when they had entered and descended from their horses a joyful crowd pressed round sir lancelot and heartily saluted him and led him to the abbess's chamber and unarmed him anon he saw his cousins likewise there sir bors and sir lionel who also made great joy at seeing him and said by what adventure art thou here for we thought to have seen thee at camelot to-morrow a damsel brought me here said he but as yet i know not for what service as they thus talked twelve nuns came in who brought with them a youth so passing fair and well made that in all the world his match could not be found his name was galahad and though he knew him not nor lancelot him sir lancelot was his father sir said the nun we bring thee here this child whom we have nourished from his youth and pray thee to make him a knight for from no worthier hand can he receive that order then sir lancelot looking on the youth saw that he was seemly and demure as a dove with every feature good and noble and thought he never had beheld a better fashioned man of his years cometh this desire from himself said he yea answered galahad and all the nuns to-morrow then in reverence for the feast he shall have his wish said sir lancelot and the next day at the hour of prime he knighted him and said god make of thee as good a man as he hath made thee beautiful then with sir lionel and sir bors he returned to the court and found all gone to the minister to hear service when they came into the banquet hall each knight and baron found his name written in some seat in letters of gold as here ought to sit sir lionel here ought to sit sir gawain and so forth and in the perilous seat at the high centre of the table a name was also written whereat they marvelled greatly for no living man had ever yet dared sit upon that seat save one and him a flame leaped forth and drew down under earth so that he was no more seen then came sir lancelot and read the letters in that seat and said my counsel is that this inscription be now covered up until the knight be come who shall achieve this great adventure so they made a veil of silk and put it over the letters in the meanwhile came sir gawain to the court and told the king he had a message to him from beyond the sea from merlin for said he as i rode through the forest of broceliande but five days since i heard the voice of merlin speaking to me from the midst of an oak tree whereat in great amazement i besought him to come forth but he with many groans replied he never more might do so for that none could free him save the damsel of the lake who had enclosed him there by his own spells which he had taught her but go said he to king arthur and tell him that he now prepare his knights and all his table round to seek the sangreal for the time is come when it shall be achieved when sir gawain had spoken thus 
king arthur sat pensive in spirit and mused deeply of the holy grail and what saintly knight should come who might achieve it anon he bade them hasten to set on the banquet sir said sir kay the seneschal if ye go now to meet ye will break the ancient custom of your court for never have ye dined at this high feast till ye have seen some strange adventure thou sayest truly said the king but my mind was full of wonders and musings till i bethought me not of mine old custom as they stood speaking thus a squire ran in and cried lord i bring thee marvellous tidings what be they said king arthur lord said he hereby at the river is a marvellous great stone which i myself saw swim down hitherwards upon the water and in it there is set a sword and ever the stone heaveth and swayeth on the water but floateth down no further with the stream i will go and see it said the king so all the knights went with him and when they came to the river there surely found they a mighty stone of red marble floating on the water as the squire had said and therein stuck a fair and rich sword on the pommel whereof were precious stones wrought skilfully with gold into these words no man shall take me hence but he by whose side i should hang and he shall be the best knight in the world when the king read this he turned round to sir launcelot and said fair sir this sword ought surely to be thine for thou art the best knight in all the world but launcelot answered soberly certainly sir it is not for me nor will i have the hardihood to set my hand upon it for he that toucheth it and faileth to achieve it shall one day be wounded by it mortally but i doubt not lord this day will show the greatest marvels that we have yet seen for now the time is fully come as merlin hath forewarned us when all the prophecies about the sangreal shall be fulfilled then stepped sir gawain forward and pulled at the sword but could not move it and after him sir percival to keep him fellowship in any peril he might suffer but no other knight durst be so hardy as to try now may ye go to your dinner said sir kay for a marvellous adventure ye have had so all returned from the river and every knight sat down in his own place and the high feast and banquet then was sumptuously begun and all the hall was full of laughter and loud talk and jests and running to and fro of squires who served their knights and noise of jollity and mirth then suddenly befell a wondrous thing for all the doors and windows of the hall shut violently of themselves and made thick darkness and presently there came a fair and gentle light from out the perilous seat and filled the palace with its beams then a dead silence fell on all the knights and each man anxiously beheld his neighbour but king arthur rose and said lords and fair knights have ye no fear but rejoice we have seen strange things to-day but stranger yet remain for now i know we shall to-day see him who may sit in the siege perilous and shall achieve the sangreal 
for as ye all well know that holy vessel wherefrom at the supper of our lord before his death he drank the wine with his disciples hath been held ever since the holiest treasure of the world and wheresoever it hath rested peace and prosperity have rested with it on the land but since the dolorous stroke which balin gave king pelles none have seen it for heaven wroth with that presumptuous blow hath hid it none know where yet somewhere in the world it still may be and may be it is left to us and to this noble order of the table round to find and bring it home and make of this our realm the happiest in the earth many great quests and perilous adventures have ye all taken and achieved but this high quest he only shall attain who hath clean hands and a pure heart and valour and hardihood beyond all other men while the king spoke there came in softly an old man robed all in white leading with him a young knight clad in red from top to toe but without armour or shield and having by his side an empty scabbard the old man went up to the king and said lord here i bring thee this young knight of royal lineage and of the blood of joseph of arimathea by whom the marvels of thy court shall fully be accomplished the king was right glad at his words and said sir ye be right heartily welcome and the young knight also then the old man put on sir galahad for it was he a crimson robe trimmed with fine ermine and took him by the hand and led him to the perilous seat and lifting up the silken cloth which hung upon it read these words written in gold letters this is the seat of sir galahad the good knight sir said the old man this place is thine then sat sir galahad down firmly and surely and said to the old man sir ye may now go your way for ye have done well and truly all ye were commanded and commend me to my grandsire king pelles and say that i shall see him soon so the old man departed with a retinue of twenty noble squires but all the knights of the round table marvelled at sir galahad and at his tender age and at his sitting there so surely in the perilous seat then the king led sir galahad forth from the palace to show him the adventure of the floating stone here said he is as great a marvel as i ever saw and right good knights have tried and failed to gain that sword i marvel not thereat said galahad for this adventure is not theirs but mine and for the certainty i had thereof i brought no sword with me as thou mayest see here by this empty scabbard anon he laid his hand upon the sword and lightly drew it from the stone and put it in his sheath and said this sword was that enchanted one which erst belonged to the good knight sir balin wherewith he slew through piteous mistake his brother balan who also slew him at the same time all which great woe befell him through the dolorous stroke he gave my grandsire king pelles the wound whereof is not yet whole nor shall be till i heal him as he stood speaking thus they saw a lady riding swiftly down the river's bank towards them on a white palfrey who saluting the king and queen said lord king 
Nassian the hermit sendeth thee word that to thee shall come to-day the greatest honour and worship that hath yet ever befallen a king of Britain. For this day shall the Sangreal appear in thy house. With that the damsel took her leave, and departed the same way she came. Now, said the king, I know that from to-day the quest of the Sangreal shall begin, and all ye of the round table will be scattered, so that never more shall I see ye again together as ye are now. Let me then see a joust and tournament amongst ye for the last time before ye go. So they all took their harness, and met together in the meadows by Camelot, and the queen and all her ladies sat in a tower to see. Then Sir Galahad, at the prayer of the king and queen, put on a coat of light armour and a helmet, but shield he would take none, and grasping a lance he drove into the middle of the press of knights and began to break spears marvellously, so that all men were full of wonder and in so short a time he had surmounted and exceeded the rest save Sir Lancelot and Sir Percival, that he took the chief worship of the field. Then the king and all the court and fellowship of knights went back to the palace, and so to Evensong in the great minister a royal and goodly company, and after that sat down to supper in the hall every night in his own seat as they had been before. Anon suddenly burst overhead the crackling and crying of great peals of thunder till the palace walls were shaken sorely, and they thought to see them riven all to pieces. And in the midst of the blast there entered in a sunbeam clearer by seven times than ever they saw day, and a marvellous great glory fell upon them all. Then each knight, looking on his neighbour, found his face fairer than he had ever seen, and so, all standing on their feet, they gazed as dumb men on each other, not knowing what to say. Then entered into the hall the Sangreal, borne aloft without hands through the midst of the sunbeam, and covered with white samite, so that none might see it, and all the hall was filled with perfume and incense, and every knight was fed with the food he best loved. And when the holy vessel had been thus borne through the hall, it suddenly departed, no man saw whither. When they recovered breath to speak, King Arthur first rose up and yielded thanks to God and to our Lord. Then Sir Gawain sprang up and said, Now have we all been fed by miracle with whatsoever food we thought of or desired. But with our eyes we have not seen the blessed vessel whence it came, so carefully and preciously it was concealed. Therefore I make a vow, that from to-morrow I shall labour twelve months and a day, in quest of the Sangreal, and longer if need be, nor will I come again into this court until mine eyes have seen it evidently. When he had spoken thus, night after night rose up and vowed himself to the same quest till the most part of the round table had thus sworn. But when King Arthur heard them all, he could not refrain his eyes from tears, and said, Sir Gawain, Sir Gawain, thou hast set me in great sorrow, for I fear me my true fellowship shall never meet together here again, and surely never Christian king had such a company of worthy knights around his table at one time. 
and when the queen and her ladies and gentlewomen heard the vows they had such grief and sorrow as no tongue could tell and queen guinevere cried out i marvel that my lord will suffer them to depart from him and many of the ladies who loved knights would have gone with them but were forbidden by the hermit nacian who sent this message to all who had sworn themselves to the quest take with ye no lady or gentlewoman for into so high a service as ye go in no thought but of our lord and heaven may enter on the morrow morning all the knights rose early and when they were fully armed save shields and helms they went in with the king and queen to service in the minister then the king counted all who had taken the adventure on themselves and found them a hundred and fifty knights of the round table and so they all put on their helms and rode away together in the midst of cries and lamentations from the court and from the ladies and from all the town but the queen went alone to her chamber that no man might see her sorrow and sir lancelot followed her to say farewell when she saw him she cried out oh sir lancelot thou hast betrayed me thou hast put me to death thus to depart and leave my lord the king ah madam said he be not displeased or angry for i shall come again as soon as i can with honour alas said she that ever i saw thee but he that suffered death upon the cross for all mankind be to thee safety and good conduct and to all thy company then sir lancelot saluted her and the king and went forth with the rest and came with them that night to castle vagon where they abode and on the morrow they departed from each other on their separate ways every night taking the way that pleased him best now sir galahad went forth without a shield and rode so four days without adventure and on the fourth day after evensong he came to an abbey of white monks where he was received in the house and led into a chamber and there he was unarmed and met two knights of the round table king bagdemagus and sir uwaine sirs said sir galahad what adventure hath brought ye here within this place as we are told they answered there is a shield no man may bear around his neck without receiving sore mischance or death within three days to-morrow said king bagdemagus i shall attempt the adventure and if i fail do thou sir galahad take it up after me i will willingly said he for as ye see i have no shield as yet so on the morrow they arose and heard mass and afterwards king bagdemagus asked where the shield was kept then a monk led him behind the altar where the shield hung as white as any snow and with a blood-red cross in the midst of it sir said the monk this shield should hang from no knight's neck unless he be the worthiest in the world i warn ye therefore knights consider well before ye dare to touch it well said king bagdemagus i know well that i am far from the best knight in all the world yet shall i make the trial and so he took the shield and bore it from the monastery if it please thee said he to sir galahad abide here till thou hearest how i speed i will abide thee said he 
Then, taking with him a squire who might return with any tidings to Sir Galahad, the king rode forth, and before he had gone two miles he saw in a fair valley a hermitage, and a knight who came forth dressed in white armour, horse and all, who rode fast against him. When they encountered, Bagdemagus brake his spear upon the white knight's shield, but was himself struck through the shoulder with a sore wound, and hurled down from his horse. Then the white knight, alighting, came and took the white shield from the king, and said, Thou hast done great folly, for this shield ought never to be borne but by one who hath no living peer. And turning to the squire, he said, Bear thou this shield to the good knight Sir Galahad, and greet him well from me. In whose name shall I greet him? said the squire. Take thou no heed of that, he answered. It is not for thee or any earthly man to know. Now tell me, fair sir, at the least, said the squire, why may this shield be never borne except its wearer come to injury or death? Because it shall belong to no man save its rightful owner, Galahad, replied the knight. Then the squire went to his master, and found him wounded nigh to death, wherefore he fetched his horse, and bore him back with him to the abbey, and there they laid him in a bed, and looked to his wounds, and when he had lain many days grievously sick, he at the last barely escaped with his life. Sir Galahad, said the squire, the knight who overthrew King Bagdemagus sent you greeting, and bade you bear this shield. Now blessed be God and fortune, said Sir Galahad, and hung the shield about his neck, and armed him, and rode forth. Anon he met the white knight by the hermitage, and each saluted courteously the other. Sir, said Sir Galahad, this shield I bear hath surely a full marvellous history. Thou sayest rightly, answered he. That shield was made in the days of Joseph of Arimathea, the gentle knight who took our Lord down from the cross. He, when he left Jerusalem with his kindred, came to the country of King Evelake, who warred continually with one Ptolemy. And when, by the teaching of Joseph, King Evelake became Christian, this shield was made for him in our Lord's name, and through its aid King Ptolemy was defeated. For when King Evelake met him next in battle, he hid it in a veil, and suddenly uncovering it, he showed his enemies the figure of a bleeding man nailed to a cross, at sight of which they were discomfited and fled. Presently after that, a man whose hand was smitten off touched the cross upon the shield, and had his hand restored to him, and many other miracles it worked. But suddenly the cross that was upon it vanished away. Anon both Joseph and King Evelake came to Britain, and by the preaching of Joseph the people were made Christians, and when at length he lay upon his deathbed, King Evelake begged of him some token ere he died. Then calling for his shield, he dipped his finger in his own blood, for he was bleeding fast, and none could staunch the wound, and marked that cross upon it, saying, This cross shall ever show as bright as now, and the last of my lineage shall wear this shield about his neck, and go forth to all the marvellous deeds he will achieve. When the white knight had thus spoken, he vanished suddenly away, and Sir Galahad returned to the abbey. 
As he alighted came a monk, and prayed him to go see a tomb in the churchyard, wherefrom came such a great and hideous noise that none could hear it, but they went nigh mad, or lost all strength. "'And, sir,' said he, "'I deem it is a fiend.' "'Lead me thither,' said Sir Galahad. When they were come near the palace, "'Now,' said the monk, "'go thou to the tomb and lift it up.' And Galahad, nothing afraid, quickly lifted up the stone, and forthwith came out a foul smoke, and from the midst thereof leaped up the loathliest figure that ever he had seen in the likeness of a man, and Galahad blessed himself, for he knew it was a fiend of hell. Then he heard a voice crying out, O oh, Galahad, I cannot tear thee as I would. I see so many angels round thee that I may not come at thee. Then the fiend suddenly disappeared with a marvellous great cry, and Sir Galahad, looking in the tomb, saw there a body, all armed, with a sword beside it. "'Now, fair brother,' said he to the monk, "'let us remove this cursed body which is not fit to lie in a churchyard, for when it lived a false and perjured Christian man dwelt in it. Cast it away, and there shall come no more hideous noises from the tomb.' and now must i depart he added for i have much in hand and am upon the holy quest of the sangreal with many more good knights so he took his leave and rode many journeys backwards and forwards as adventures would lead him and at last one day he departed from a castle without first hearing mass which was it ever his custom to hear before he left his lodging anon he found a ruined chapel on a mountain and went in and kneeled before the altar and prayed for wholesome counsel what to do and as he prayed he heard a voice which said depart adventurous knight unto the maiden's castle and redress the violence and wrongs there done hearing these words he cheerfully arose and mounted his horse and rode but half a mile when he saw before him a strong castle with deep ditches round it, and a fair river running past. And seeing an old churl hard by, he asked him what men called that castle. Fair sir, said he, it is the maiden's castle. It is a cursed place, said Galahad, and all its masters are but felons full of mischief and hardness and shame. For that good reason, said the old man, thou wert well advised to turn thee back. For that same reason, quoth Sir Galahad, will I the more certainly ride on. Then looking at his armor carefully, to see that nothing failed him, he went forward, and presently there met him seven damsels, who cried out, Sir knight, thou ridest in great peril, for thou hast two waters to pass over. Why should I not pass over them? said he, and rode straight on. Anon he met a squire, who said, Sir knight, the masters of this castle defy thee, and bid thee go no further till thou showest them thy business here. Fair fellow, said Sir Galahad, I am come here to destroy their wicked customs. If that be thy purpose, answered he, thou wilt have much to do. Go thou, said Sir Galahad, and hasten with my message. In a few minutes after rode forth furiously from the gateways of the castle seven knights, all brothers, and crying out, Knight, keep thee, 
bore down all at once upon sir galahad but thrusting forth his spear he smote the foremost to the earth so that his neck was almost broken and warded with his shield the spears of all the others which every one brake off from it and shivered into pieces then he drew out his sword and set upon them hard and fiercely and by his wondrous force drave them before him and chased them to the castle gate and there he slew them at that came out to him an ancient man in priest's vestments saying behold sir here are the keys of this castle then he unlocked the gates and found within a multitude of people who cried out sir knight ye be welcome for long have we waited thy deliverance and told him that the seven felons he had slain had long enslaved the people round about and killed all knights who passed that way because the maiden whom they had robbed of the castle had foretold that by one night they should themselves be overthrown where is the maiden asked sir galahad she lingereth below in a dungeon said they so sir galahad went down and released her and restored her her inheritance and when he had summoned the barons of the country to do her homage he took his leave and departed presently thereafter as he rode he entered a great forest and in a glade thereof met two knights disguised who proffered him to joust these were sir lancelot his father and sir percival but neither knew the other so he and sir lancelot encountered first and sir galahad smote down his father then drawing his sword for his spear was broken he fought with sir percival and struck him so mightily that he clave sir percival's helm and smote him from his horse now hard by where they fought there was a hermitage where dwelt a pious woman a recluse who when she heard the sound came forth and seeing sir galahad ride she cried god be with thee the best knight in the world had yonder knights known thee as well as i do they would not have encountered with thee when sir galahad heard that fearing to be made known he forthwith smote his horse with his spurs and departed at a great pace sir lancelot and sir percival heard her words also and rode fast after him but within a while he was out of their sight End of part one Recording by Thomas Rose Chapter 12 of The Legends of King Arthur and His Knights Part 2 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 2 The Adventures of Sir Lancelot, Sir Percival, and Sir Bors Then Sir Percival rode back to ask his name of the recluse, but Sir Lancelot went forward on his quest, and following any path his horse would take, he came by and by, after nightfall, to a stone cross hard by an ancient chapel. When he had alighted and tied his horse up to a tree, he went and looked in through the chapel door, which was all ruinous and wasted, and there within he saw an altar richly decked with silk whereon there stood a fair candlestick of silver bearing six great lights and when sir lancelot saw the light he tried to get within the chapel but could find no place so being passing weary and heavy he came again to his horse and when he had unsaddled him and set him free to pasture he unlaced his helm 
and ungirded his sword, and laid him down to sleep upon his shield before the cross. And while he lay between waking and sleeping, he saw come by him two white palfreys bearing a litter wherein a sick knight lay, and the palfreys stood still by the cross. Then Sir Lancelot heard the sick man say, O oh, sweet lord, when shall this sorrow leave me, and the holy vessel pass by me, wherethrough I shall be blessed? For I have long endured. With that Sir Lancelot saw the chapel open, and the candlestick with the six tapers come before the cross, but he could see none who bear it. Then came there also a table of silver, and thereon the holy vessel of the Sangreal, and when the sick knight saw that, he sat up, and lifting both his hands, said, Fair lord, sweet lord, who art here within this holy vessel, have mercy on me, that I might be whole. And therewith he crept upon his hands and knees so nigh that he might touch the vessel, and when he had kissed it, he leaped up and stood and cried aloud, Lord God, I thank thee, for I am made whole. Then the Holy Grail departed with the table and the silver candlestick into the chapel, so that Sir Lancelot saw it no more, nor for his sin's sake could he follow it. And the knight who was healed went on his way. Then Sir Lancelot awake and marvelled whether he had seen aught but a dream, and as he marvelled he heard a voice saying, Sir Lancelot, thou art unworthy. Go thou hence, and withdraw thee from this holy place. And when he heard that, he was passing heavy, for he bethought him of his sins. So he departed weeping, and cursed the day of his birth, for the words went into his heart, and he knew wherefore he was thus driven forth. Then he went to seek his arms and horse, but could not find them, and then he called himself the wretchedest, and most unhappy of all knights, and said, My sin hath brought me unto great dishonour, for when I sought earthly honours I achieved them ever. But now I take upon me holy things, my guilt doth hinder me, and shameth me. Therefore had I no power to stir or speak when the holy blood appeared before me. So thus he sorrowed till it was day, and he heard the birds sing, then was he somewhat comforted, and departing from the cross on foot, he came into a wild forest, and to a high mountain, and there he found a hermitage, and kneeling before the hermit, down upon both his knees, he cried for mercy for his wicked works, and prayed him to hear his confession. But when he told his name, the hermit marvelled to see him in so sore a case, and said, Sir, ye ought to thank God more than any knight living, for he hath given thee more honour than any, yet for thy presumption, while in deadly sin to come into the presence of his flesh and blood, he suffered thee neither to see nor follow it. Wherefore believe that all thy strength and manhood will avail thee little when God is against thee. And Sir Lancelot wept, and said, now know I well ye tell me truth. Then he confessed to him, and told him all his sins, and how he had for fourteen years served but Queen Guinevere only, and forgotten God, and done great deeds of arms for her, and not for heaven, 
and had little or nothing thanked God for the honour that he won. And then Sir Lancelot said, I pray you counsel me. I will counsel thee, said he. Nevermore enter into that queen's company when ye can avoid it. So Sir Lancelot promised him. Look that your heart and your mouth accord, said the good man, and ye shall have more honour and more nobleness than ever ye have had. Then were his arms and horse restored to him, and so he took his leave and rode forth repenting greatly. Now Sir Percival had ridden back to the recluse to learn who that knight was whom she had called the best in the world. And when he had told her that he was Sir Percival, she made passing great joy of him, for she was his mother's sister, wherefore she opened her door to him and made him good cheer. And on the morrow she told him of her kindred to him, and they both made great rejoicing. Then he asked her who that knight was, and she told him, He it is who on Whitsunday last was clad in the red robe, and bare the red arms, and he hath no peer, for he worketh all by miracle, and shall be never overcome by any earthly hands. By my good will, said Sir Percival, I will never after these tidings have to do with Sir Galahad, but in the way of kindness and I would fain learn where I may find him. Fair nephew, said she, ye must ride to the castle of Goth, where he hath a cousin, by him ye may be lodged, and he will teach you the way to go. But if he can tell you no tidings, ride straight to the castle of Carbonek, where the wounded king is lying, for there shall ye surely hear tidings of him. So Sir Percival departed from his aunt, and rode till evensong time, when he was ware of a monastery closed round with walls and deep ditches, where he knocked at the gate, and anon was let in. And there he had good cheer that night, and on the morrow heard mass. And beside the altar where the priest stood was a rich bed of silk and cloth of gold, and on the bed there lay a man passing old, having a crown of gold upon his head, and all his body was full of great wounds, and his eyes almost wholly blind, and ever he held up his hands and said, Sweet Lord, forget not me. Then Sir Percival asked one of the brethren who he was. There, said the good man, ye have heard of Joseph of Arimathea how he was sent of Jesus Christ into this land to preach and teach the Christian faith. Now in the city of Saras he converted a king named Evelake, and this is he. He came with Joseph to this land, and ever desired greatly to see the Sangreal. So on a time he came nigh thereto, and was struck almost blind. Then he cried out for mercy, and said, Fair Lord, I pray thee, let me never die, until a good knight of my blood achieve the Sangreal, and I may see and kiss him. When he had thus prayed, he heard a voice that said, Thy prayers be heard and answered, for thou shalt not die till that knight kiss thee, and when he cometh shall thine eyes be opened and thy wounds be healed and now hath he lived here for three hundred winters in a holy life, and men say a certain knight of King Arthur's court shall shortly heal him. 
Thereat Sir Percival marvelled greatly, for he well knew who that knight should be, and so taking his leave of the monk, departed. Then he rode on till noon, and came into a valley where he met twenty men-at-arms bearing a dead knight on a bier, and they cried to him, Whence comest thou? From King Arthur's court, he answered. Then they all cried together, Slay him, and set upon him. But he smote down the first man to the ground, and his horse upon him, whereat seven of them all at once assailed him, and others slew his horse. Thus he had been either taken or slain, but by good chance Sir Galahad was passing by that way, who, seeing twenty men attacking one, cried, Slay him not! and rushed upon them, and as fast as his horse could drive, he encountered with the foremost man, and smote him down. Then his spear being broken, he drew forth his sword, and struck out on the right hand and on the left, at each blow smiting down a man, till the remainder fled, and he pursued them. Then Sir Percival, knowing that it was Sir Galahad, would fain have overtaken him, but could not, for his horse was slain, yet followed he on foot as fast as he could go, and as he went there met him a yeoman riding on a palfrey, and leading in his hand a great black steed. So Sir Percival prayed him to lend him the steed that he might overtake Sir Galahad, but he replied, That can I not do, fair sir, for the horse is my master's, and should I lend it he would slay me. So he departed, and Sir Percival sat down beneath a tree in heaviness of heart, and as he sat, anon a knight went riding past on the black steed which the yeoman had led, and presently after came the yeoman back in haste, and asked Sir Percival if he had seen the knight riding his horse. Yea, said Sir Percival. Alas, said the yeoman, he hath reft him from me by strength, and my master will slay me. Then he besought Sir Percival to take his hackney and follow, and get back his steed. So he rode quickly, and overtook the knight, and cried, Knight, turn again! Whereat he turned, and set his spear, and smote Sir Percival's hackney in the breast, so that it fell dead, and then went on his way. Then cried Sir Percival after him, Turn now, false knight, and fight with me on foot! But he would not and rode out of sight. Then was Sir Percival passing wroth and heavy of heart, and lay down to rest beneath a tree, and slept till midnight. When he awoke, he saw a woman standing by him, who said to him right fiercely, Sir Percival, what doest thou here? I do neither good nor evil, said he. If thou wilt promise me, said she, to do my will whenever I shall ask thee, I will bring thee here a horse that will bear thee wheresoever thou desirest. At that he was full glad, and promised as she asked. Then anon she came again with a great black steed, strong and well apparelled. So Sir Percival mounted, and rode through the clear moonlight, and within less than an hour had gone a four days' journey, till he came to a rough water that roared, and his horse would have borne him into it but sir percival would not suffer him yet could he scarce restrain him and seeing the water so furious he made the sign of the cross upon his forehead whereat the horse suddenly shook him off and with a terrible sound leaped into the water and disappeared the waves all burning up in flames around him 
Then Sir Percival knew it was a fiend which had brought him the horse, though he commended himself to God, and prayed that he might escape temptations, and continued in prayer until it was day. Then he saw that he was on a wild mountain nigh surrounded on all sides by the sea, and filled with wild beasts, and going on into a valley he saw a serpent carrying a young lion by the neck. With that came another lion, crying and roaring after the serpent, and anon overtook him, and began to battle with him. And Sir Percival helped the lion, and drew his sword, and gave the serpent such a stroke that it fell dead. Thereat the lion fawned upon him like a dog, licking his hands and crouching at his feet, and at night lay down by him and slept at his side. And at noon the next day Sir Percival saw a ship come sailing before a strong wind upon the sea toward him, and he rose and went towards it. And when it came to shore he found it covered with white samite, and on the deck there stood an old man dressed in priest's robes, who said, God be with you, fair sir, whence come ye? I am a knight of King Arthur's court, said he, and follow the quest of the Sangreal, but here have I lost myself in this wilderness. Fear nothing, said the old man, for I have come from a strange country to comfort thee. Then he told Sir Percival it was a fiend of hell upon which he had ridden to the sea, and that the lion, whom he had delivered from the serpent, meant the church. And Sir Percival rejoiced at these tidings, and entered into the ship, which presently sailed from the shore into the sea. Now when Sir Bors rode forth from Camelot to seek the Sangreal, anon he met a holy man riding on an ass, and courteously saluted him. "'Who are you, son?' said the good man. "'I am a knight,' said he, "'in quest of the Sangreal, and would fain have thy counsel.' for he shall have much earthly honour who may bring it to a favourable end. That is truth, said the good man, for he shall be the best knight of the world, yet know that none shall gain it save by sinless living. So they rode to his hermitage together, and there he prayed Sir Bors to abide that night, and anon they went into the chapel, and Sir Bors was confessed, and they eat bread and drank water together. Now, said the hermit, I pray thee eat no other food, till thou sit at the table where the Sangreal shall be. Thereto Sir Bors agreed. Also, said the hermit, it were wise that ye should wear a sackcloth garment next to your skin for penance. And in this also did Sir Bors as he was counselled. And afterwards he armed himself, and took his leave. Then rode he onwards all that day, and as he rode he saw a passing great bird sit in an old dry tree whereon no leaves were left, and many little birds lay round the great one, nigh dead with hunger. Then did the big bird smite himself with his own bill, and bled till he died amongst his little ones, and they recovered life in drinking up his blood. When Sir Bors saw this, he knew it was a token and rode on full of thought. And about eventide he came to a tower whereto he prayed admission, and he was received gladly by the lady of the castle. But when a supper of many meats and dainties was set before him, 
he remembered his vow and bade a squire to bring him water and therein he dipped his bread and ate then the lady said sir bors i fear ye like not my meat yea truly said he god thank thee madam but i may eat no other meat this day after supper came a squire and said madam bethink thee to provide a champion for thee to-morrow for the tourney or else shall thy sister have thy castle at that the lady wept and made great sorrow but sir bors prayed her to be comforted and asked her why the tournament was held then she told him how she and her sister were the daughters of King Aniant, who left them all his lands between them, and how her sister was the wife of a strong knight named Sir Pridan Le Noir, who had taken from herself all her lands save the one tower wherein she dwelt. And now, said she, this also will they take, unless I find a champion by to-morrow. Then said Sir Bors, Be comforted. To-morrow i will fight for thee whereat she rejoiced not a little and sent word to sir pridan that she was provided and ready and sir bors lay on the floor and in no bed nor ever would do otherwise till he had achieved his quest on the morrow he arose and clothed himself and went into the chapel where the lady met him and they heard mass together anon he called for his armour and went with a goodly company of knights to the battle and the lady prayed him to refresh himself ere he should fight but he refused to break his fast until the tournament were done so they all rode together to the lists and there they saw the lady's eldest sister and her husband sir pridan le noir and a cry was made by the heralds that whichever should win his lady should have all the other's lands then the two knights departed asunder a little space and came together with such force that both their spears were shivered and their shields and hauberks pierced through and both fell to the ground sorely wounded with their horses under them but swiftly they arose and drew their swords and smote each other on the head with many great and heavy blows till the blood ran down their bodies and sir pridan was a full good knight so that sir bors had more ado than he had thought for to overcome him but at last sir pridan grew a little faint that instantly perceived sir bors and rushed upon him the more vehemently and smote him fiercely till he rent off his helm and then gave him great strokes upon his visage with the flat of his sword and bade him yield or be slain and then sir pridan cried him mercy and said for god's sake slay me not and i will never war against thy lady more so sir bors let him go and his wife fled away with all her knights then all those who had held lands of the lady of the tower came and did homage to her again and swore fealty and when the country was at peace sir bors departed and rode forth into a forest until it was midday and there befell him a marvellous adventure for at a place where two ways parted there met him two knights bearing sir lionel his brother all naked bound on a horse and as they rode they beat him sorely with thorns so that the blood trailed down in more than a hundred places from his body but for all this he uttered no word or groan, so great he was of heart. 
as soon as sir bors knew his brother he put his spear in rest to run and rescue him but in the same moment heard a woman's voice cry close beside him in the woods saint mary succour thy maid and looking round he saw a damsel whom a felon knight dragged after him into the thickets and she perceiving him cried piteously for help and adjured him to deliver her as he was a sworn knight then was sir bors sore troubled and knew not what to do for he thought within himself if i let my brother be he will be murdered but if i help not the maid she is shamed for ever and my vow compelleth me to set her free wherefore must i first help her and trust my brother unto god so riding to the knight who held the damsel he cried out sir knight lay your hand off that maid or else ye be but dead at that the knight set down the maid and dropped his shield and drew forth his sword against sir bors who ran at him and smote him through both shield and shoulder and threw him to the earth and when he pulled his spear forth the knight swooned then the maid thanked sir bors heartily and he set her on the knight's horse and brought her to her men-at-arms who presently came riding after her and they made much joy and besought him to come to her father a great lord and he should be right welcome but truly said he i may not at this time for i have a great adventure yet to do and commending them to god he departed in great haste to find his brother so he rode seeking him by the track of the horses a great while anon he met a seeming holy man riding upon a strong black horse and asked him had he seen pass by that way a knight led bound and beaten with thorns by two others yea truly such an one i saw said the man but he is dead and lo his body is hard by in a bush and then he showed him a newly slain body lying in a thick bush which seemed indeed to be sir lionel then made sir bors such a mourning and sorrow that by and by he fell into a swoon upon the ground and when he came to himself again he took the body in his arms and put it on his horse's saddle and bore it to a chapel hard by and would have buried it but when he made the sign of the cross he heard a full great noise and cry as though all the fiends of hell had been about him and suddenly the body and the chapel and the old man vanished all away then he knew that it was the devil who had thus beguiled him and that his brother yet lived then held he up his hands to heaven and thanked god for his own escape from hurt and rode onwards and anon as he passed by an hermitage in a forest he saw his brother sitting armed by the door and when he saw him he was filled with joy and lighted from his horse and ran to him and said fair brother when came ye hither but sir lionel answered with an angry face what vain words be these when for you i might have been slain did ye not see me bound and led away to death and left me in that peril to go succouring a gentlewoman the like whereof no brother ever yet hath done now for thy false misdeed i do defy thee and ensure thee speedy death then sir bors prayed his brother to abate his anger and said fair brother remember the love that should be between us twain 
but sir lionel would not hear and prepared to fight and mounted his horse and came before him crying sir bors keep thee from me for i shall do to thee as a felon and a traitor therefore start upon thy horse for if thou wilt not i will run upon thee as thou standest but for all his words sir bors would not defend himself against his brother and anon the fiend stirred up sir lionel to such rage that he rushed over him and overthrew him with his horse's hoofs so that he lay swooning on the ground then would he have rent off his helm and slain him but the hermit of that place ran out and prayed him to forbear and shielded sir bors with his body then sir lionel cried out now god so help me sir priest but i shall slay thee else thou depart and him too after thee and when the good man utterly refused to leave sir bors he smote him on the head until he died and then he took his brother by the helm and unlaced it to have stricken off his head and so he would have done but suddenly was pulled off backward by a knight of the round table who by the will of heaven was passing by that place sir colgrevance by name sir lionel he cried will you slay your brother one of the best knights of all the world that ought no man to suffer why said sir lionel will you hinder me and meddle in this strife beware lest i shall slay both thee and him and when sir colgrevance refused to let them be sir lionel defied him and gave him a great stroke through the helmet whereat Sir Colgrevance drew his sword and smote again right manfully, and so long they fought together that Sir Bors awoke from his swoon and tried to rise and part them, but had no strength to stand upon his feet. Anon Sir Colgrevance saw him and cried out to him for help, for now Sir Lionel had nigh defeated him. When Sir Bors heard that, he struggled to his feet and put his helmet on and took his sword, but before he could come to him, Sir Lionel had smitten off Sir Colgrevance's helm, and thrown him to the earth, and slain him. Then turned he to his brother as a man possessed by fiends, and gave him such a stroke as bent him nearly double. But still Sir Bors prayed him for God's sake to quit that battle, for if it befall us that we either slew the other, we should die for care of that sin never will i spare thee if i master thee cried out sir lionel then sir bors drew his sword all weeping and said now god have mercy on me though i defend my life against my brother and with that he lifted up his sword to strike but suddenly he heard a mighty voice put up thy sword sir bors and flee or thou shalt surely slay him and then there fell upon them both a fiery cloud which flamed and burned their shields and they fell to the earth in sore dread anon sir bors rose to his feet and saw that sir lionel had taken no harm and then came the voice again and said sir bors go hence and leave thy brother and ride thou forward to the sea for there sir percival abideth thee then he said to his brother brother forgive me all my trespass against thee and sir lionel answered god forgive it thee as i do then he departed and rode to the sea and on the strand he found a ship all covered with white samite 
and as soon as he had entered thereinto it put forth from the shore and in the midst of the ship there stood an armed knight whom he knew to be sir percival then they rejoiced greatly over each other and said we lack nothing now but the good knight sir galahad end of part two recording by thomas rose chapter twelve of the legends of king arthur and his knights part three this librivox recording is in the public domain part three the sangrael is achieved the death of sir galahad now when sir galahad had rescued sir percival from the twenty knights he rode into a vast forest and after many days it befell that he came to a castle where it was a tournament and the knights of the castle were put to the worse which when he saw he set his spear in rest and ran to help them and smote down many of their adversaries and as it chanced sir gawain was amongst the stranger knights and when he saw the white shield with the red cross he knew it was sir galahad and proffered to joust with him so they encountered and having broken their spears they drew their swords and sir galahad smote sir gawain so sorely on the helm that he clove it through and struck on slanting to the earth carving the horse's shoulder in twain and sir gawain fell to the earth then sir galahad beat back all who warred against the castle yet would he not wait for thanks but rode away that no man might know him and he rested that night at a hermitage and when he was asleep he heard a knocking at the door so he rose and found a damsel there who said sir galahad i will that ye arm you and mount upon your horse and follow me for i will show you within these three days the highest adventure that ever any knight saw anon sir galahad armed him and took his horse and commended himself to god and bade the gentlewoman go and he would follow where she liked so they rode onward to the sea as fast as their horses might gallop and at night they came to a castle in a valley enclosed by running water and by strong and high walls whereinto they entered and had great cheer for the lady of the castle was the damsel's mistress and when he was unarmed the damsel said to her lady madam shall we abide here this night nay said she but only till he hath dined and slept a little so he ate and slept a while till the maid called him and armed him by torchlight and when he had saluted the lady of the castle the damsel and sir galahad rode on anon they came to the seaside and lo the ship wherein were sir percival and sir bors abode by the shore then they cried welcome sir galahad for we have awaited thee long then they rejoiced to see each other and told of all their adventures and temptations and the damsel went into the ship with them and spake to sir percival sir percival know ye not who i am and he replied nay certainly i know thee not then said she i am thy sister the daughter of king pellinore and am sent to help thee and these knights thy fellows to achieve the quest which ye all follow so sir percival rejoiced to see his sister and they departed from the shore and after a while they came upon a whirlpool where their ship could not live 
then saw they another greater ship hard by and went towards it but saw neither man nor woman therein and on the end of it these words were written thou who shalt enter me beware that thou be in steadfast belief for i am faith and if thou doubtest i cannot help thee then were they all adread but commending themselves to god they entered in as soon as they were on board they saw a fair bed whereon lay a crown of silk and at the foot was a fair and rich sword drawn from its scabbard half a foot and more the pommel was of precious stones of many colours every colour having a different virtue and the scales of the haft were of two ribs of different beasts the one was bone of a serpent from caledon forest named the serpent of the fiend and its virtue saveth all men who hold it from weariness the other was of a fish that haunteth the floods of euphrates named ertanax and its virtue causeth whoever holdeth it to forget all other things whether of joy or pain save the thing he seeth before him in the name of god said sir percival i shall assay to handle this sword and set his hand to it but could not grasp it by my faith said he now have i failed sir bors set his hand to it and failed also then came sir galahad and saw these letters written red as blood none shall draw me forth save the hardiest of all men but he that draweth me shall never be shamed or wounded to death by my faith said sir galahad i would draw it forth but dare not try ye may try safely said the gentlewoman sir percival's sister for be ye well assured the drawing of this sword is forbid to all but you for this was the sword of david king of israel and solomon his son made for it this marvellous pommel and this wondrous sheath and laid it on this bed till thou shouldst come and take it up and though before thee some have dared to raise it yet have they all been maimed or wounded for their daring where said sir galahad shall we find a girdle for it fair sir said she dismay you not and therewith took from out a box a girdle nobly wrought with golden thread set full of precious stones and with a rich gold buckle this girdle lords said she is made for the most part of mine own hair which while i was yet in the world i loved full well but when i knew that this adventure was ordained me i cut off and wove as ye now see then they all prayed sir galahad to take the sword and so anon he gripped it in his fingers and the maiden girt it round his waist saying now reck i not though i die for i have made thee the worthiest knight of all the world fair damsel said sir galahad ye have done so much that i shall be your knight all the days of my life then the ship sailed a great way on the sea and brought them to land near the castle of carte louise when they were landed came a squire and asked them be ye of king arthur's court we are said they in an evil hour are ye come said he and went back swiftly to the castle within a while they heard a great horn blow and saw a multitude of well-armed knights come forth who bade them yield or die 
At that they ran together, and Sir Percival smote one to the earth, and mounted his horse, and so likewise did Sir Bors and Sir Galahad, and soon had they routed all their enemies, and alighted on foot, and with their swords slew them downright, and entered into the castle. Then came there forth a priest, to whom Sir Galahad kneeled, and said, In sooth, good father, I repent me of this slaughter, but we were first assailed, or else it had not been. Repent ye not, said the good man, for if ye lived as long as the world lasted, ye could do no better deed, for these were all the felon sons of a good knight, Earl Hernox, whom they have thrown into a dungeon, and in his name have slain priests and clerks, and beat down chapels far and near. Then Sir Galahad prayed the priest to bring him to the earl, who, when he saw Sir Galahad, cried out, Long have I awaited for thy coming, and now I pray thee hold me in thine arms, that I may die in peace. And therewith, when Sir Galahad had taken him in his arms, his soul departed from his body. Then came a voice in the hearing of them all, Depart now, Sir Galahad, and go quickly to the maimed king, for he hath long abided to receive health from thy hand. So the three knights departed, and Sir Percival's sister with them, and came to a vast forest, and saw before them a white heart exceeding fair, led by four lions, and marvelling greatly at that sight, they followed. Anon they came to a hermitage, and a chapel, whereunto the heart entered, and the lions with it. Then a priest offered mass, and presently they saw the heart change into the figure of a man, most sweet and comely to behold, and the four lions also changed, and became a man, an eagle, a lion, and an ox. And suddenly all those five figures vanished without sound. Then the knights marvelled greatly, and fell upon their knees, and when they rose they prayed the priest to tell them what that sight might mean. "'What saw ye, sirs?' said he, "'for I saw nothing.' Then they told him. "'Ah, lords,' said he, "'ye are full welcome. Now know I well ye be the knights who shall achieve the Sangreel, for unto them alone such mysteries are revealed.' The heart ye saw is one above all men, white and without blemish, and the four lions with him are the four evangelists. When they heard that, they heartily rejoiced, and thanking the priest, departed. Anon, as they passed by a certain castle, an armed knight suddenly came after them, and cried out to the damsel, By the holy cross ye shall not go till ye have yielded to the custom of the castle. Let her go, said Sir Percival, for a maiden, wheresoever she cometh, is free. Whatever maiden passeth here, replied the knight, must give a dishful of her blood from her right arm. It is a foul and shameful custom, cried Sir Galahad and both his fellows, and sooner will we die than let this maiden yield thereto. Then shall ye die, replied the knight, and as he spake there came out from a gate hard by ten or twelve more, and encountered with them, running upon them vehemently with a great cry, 
but the three knights withstood them and set their hands to their swords and beat them down and slew them at that came forth a company of threescore knights all armed fair lord said sir galahad have mercy on yourselves and keep from us nay fair lords they answered rather be advised by us and yield ye to our custom it is an idle word said galahad in vain ye speak it well said they will ye die we be not come thereto as yet replied sir galahad then did they fall upon each other and sir galahad drew forth his sword and smote on the right hand and on the left and slew so mightily that all who saw him thought he was a monster and no earthly man and both his comrades helped him well and so they held the field against that multitude till it was night then came a good knight forward from the enemy and said fair knights abide with us to-night and be right welcome by the faith of our bodies as we are true knights to-morrow ye shall rise unharmed and meanwhile maybe ye will of your own accord accept the custom of the castle when ye know it better so they entered and alighted and made great cheer anon they asked them whence that custom came the lady of this castle is a leper said they and can be no way cured save by the blood of a pure virgin and a king's daughter therefore to save her life are we her servants bound to stay every maid that passeth by and try if her blood may not cure our mistress then said the damsel take ye of my blood as much as ye will if it may avail your lady and though the three knights urged her not to put her life in that great peril she replied if i die to heal another's body i shall get health to my soul and would not be persuaded to refuse so on the morrow she was brought to the sick lady and her arm was bared and a vein thereof was opened and the dish filled with her blood then the sick lady was anointed therewith and anon she was whole of her malady with that sir percival's sister lifted up her hand and blessed her saying madam i am come to my death to make you whole for god's love pray for me and thus saying she fell down in a swoon then sir galahad sir percival and sir bors started to lift her up and staunch her blood but she had lost too much to live so when she came to herself she said to sir percival fair brother i must die for the healing of this lady and now i pray thee bury me not here but when i am dead put me in a boat at the next haven and let me float at venture on the sea and when ye come to the city of saras to achieve the sangreal ye shall find me waiting by a tower and there i pray thee bury me for there shall sir galahad and ye also be laid thus having said she died then sir percival wrote all the story of her life and put it in her right hand and so laid her in a barge and covered it with silk and the wind arising drove the barge from land and all the knights stood watching it till it was out of sight anon they returned to the castle and forthwith fell a sudden tempest of thunder and lightning and rain as if the earth were broken up and half the castle was thrown down 
Then came a voice to the three knights, which said, Depart ye now asunder till ye meet again where the maimed king is lying. So they parted and rode diverse ways. Now after Sir Lancelot had left the hermit, he rode a long while till he knew not whither to turn, and so he lay down to sleep, if haply he might dream whither to go. And in his sleep a vision came to him, saying, Lancelot, rise up and take thine armour, and enter the first ship that thou shalt find. When he awoke, he obeyed the vision, and rode till he came to the seashore, and found there a ship without sails or oars, and as soon as he was in it, he smelt the sweetest savour he had ever known, and seemed filled with all things he could think of or desire. And looking round, he saw a fair bed, and thereon a gentlewoman lying dead, who was Sir Percival's sister. And as Sir Lancelot looked on her, he spied the writing in her right hand, and taking it he read therein her story. And more than a month thereafter he abode in that ship, and was nourished by the grace of heaven, as Israel was fed with manna in the desert. And on a certain night he went ashore to pass the time, for he was somewhat weary, and listening, he heard a horse come toward him, from which a knight alighted, and went up into the ship, who, when he saw Sir Lancelot, said, Fair sir, ye be right welcome to mine eyes, for I am thy son Galahad, and long time have I sought for thee. With that he kneeled and asked his blessing, and took off his helm and kissed him and the great joy there was between them no tongue can tell. Then for half a year they dwelt together in the ship, and served God night and day with all their powers, and went to many unknown islands where none but wild beasts haunted, and there found many strange and perilous adventures. And upon a time they came to the edge of a forest before a cross of stone, and saw a knight armed all in white, leading a white horse. Then the knight saluted them, and said to Galahad, Ye have been long time enough with your father. Now therefore leave him, and ride this horse, till ye achieve the holy quest. Then went Sir Galahad to his father, and kissed him full courteously, and said, Fair father, I know not when I shall see thee again. And as he took his horse, a voice spake in their hearing, Ye shall meet no more in this life. Now my son, Sir Galahad, said Sir Lancelot, since we must so part and see each other never more, I pray the High Father of Heaven to preserve both you and me. Then they bade farewell, and Sir Galahad entered the forest, and Sir Lancelot returned to the ship, and the wind rose and drove him more than a month through the sea, whereby he slept but little, yet ever prayed that he might see the Sangreal. So it befell upon a certain midnight, the moon shining clear, he came before a fair and rich castle, whereof the postern gate was open towards the sea, and having no keeper save two lions in the entry. Anon Sir Lancelot heard a voice, Leave now thy ship, and go within the castle, and thou shalt see a part of thy desire. Then he armed, and went toward the gate, 
and coming to the lions he drew out his sword but suddenly a dwarf rushed out and smote him on the arm so that he dropped his sword and heard again the voice o man of evil faith and poor belief wherefore trustest thou thine arms above thy maker then he put up his sword and signed the cross upon his forehead and so passed by the lions without hurt and going in he found a chamber with the doors shut which in vain he tried to open and listening thereat he heard a voice within which sang so sweetly that it seemed no earthly thing joy and honour be to the father of heaven then he kneeled down at the door for he knew well the sangreal was there within anon the door was opened without hands and forthwith came thereout so great a splendour as if all the torches of the world had been alight together but when he would have entered in a voice forbade him wherefore he drew back and looked standing upon the threshold of the door and there he saw a table of silver and the holy vessel covered with red samites and many angels round it holding burning candles and a cross and all the ornaments of the altar then a priest stood up and offered mass and when he took the vessel up he seemed to sink beneath that burden at that sir lancelot cried o father take it not for sin that i go in to help the priest who hath much need thereof so saying he went in but when he came towards the table he felt a breath of fire which issued out therefrom and smote him to the ground so that he had no power to rise then felt he many hands about him which took him up and laid him down outside the chapel door there lay he in a swoon all through that night and on the morrow certain people found him senseless and bore him to an inner chamber and laid him on a bed and there he rested living but moving no limbs twenty-four days and nights on the twenty-fifth day he opened his eyes and saw those standing round and said why have you waked me for i have seen marvels that no tongue can tell and more than any heart can think then he asked where he was and they told him in the castle of carbonek tell your lord king pelles said he that i am sir lancelot at that they marvelled greatly and told their lord it was sir lancelot who had lain there so long then was king pelles wondrous glad and went to see him and prayed him to abide there for a season but sir lancelot said i know well that i have now seen as much as mine eyes may behold of the sangreal wherefore i will return to my own country so he took leave of king pelles and departed towards logris now after sir galahad had parted from sir lancelot he rode many days till he came to the monastery where the blind king evelake lay whom sir percival had seen and on the morrow when he had heard mass sir galahad desired to see the king who cried out welcome sir galahad servant of the lord long have i abided thy coming take me now in thine arms that i may die in peace at that sir galahad embraced him and when he had so done the king's eyes were opened and he said fair lord jesus 
suffer me now to come to thee and anon his soul departed then they buried him royally as a king should be and sir galahad went on his way within a while he came to a chapel in a forest in the crypt whereof he saw a tomb which always blazed and burnt and asking the brethren what that might mean they told him joseph of arimathea's son did found this monastery and one who wronged him hath lain here these three hundred and fifty years and burneth evermore until that perfect knight who shall achieve the sangreal doth quench the fire then said he i pray ye bring me to the tomb and when he touched the place immediately the fire was quenched and a voice came from the grave and cried thanks be to god who now hath purged me of my sin and draweth me from earthly pains into the joys of paradise then sir galahad took the body in his arms and bore it to the abbey and on the morrow put it in the earth before the high altar anon he departed from thence and rode five days in a great forest and after that he met sir percival and a little further on sir bors when they had told each other their adventures they rode together to the castle of carbonek and there king pelles gave them hearty welcome for he knew they should achieve the holy quest as soon as they were come into the castle a voice cried in the midst of the chamber let them who ought not now to sit at the table of the lord rise and depart hence then all save those three knights departed anon they saw other knights come in with haste at the hall doors and take their harness off who said to sir galahad sir we have tried sore to be with you at this table ye be welcome said he but whence are ye so three of them said they were from gaul and three from ireland and three from denmark then came forth the likeness of a bishop with a cross in his hand and four angels stood by him and a table of silver was before them whereon was set the vessel of the sangreal then came forth other angels also two bearing burning candles and the third a towel and the fourth a spear which bled marvellously the drops wherefrom fell into a box he held in his left hand anon the bishop took the wafer up to consecrate it and at the lifting up they saw the figure of a child whose visage was as bright as any fire which smote itself into the midst of the wafer and vanished so that all saw the flesh made bread thereat the bishop went to galahad and kissed him and bade him go and kiss his fellows and said now servants of the lord prepare for food such as none ever yet were fed with since the world began with that he vanished and the knights were filled with a great dread and prayed devoutly then saw they come forth from the holy vessel the vision of a man bleeding all openly whom they knew well by the tokens of his passion for the lord himself at that they fell upon their faces and were dumb anon he brought the holy grail to them and spake high words of comfort and when they drank therefrom the taste thereof was sweeter than any tongue could tell or heart desire then a voice said to galahad 
son with this blood which drippeth from the spear anoint thou the maimed king and heal him and when thou hast this done depart hence with thy brethren in a ship that ye shall find and go to the city of saras and bear with thee the holy vessel for it shall no more be seen in the realm of logris at that sir galahad walked to the bleeding spear and therefrom anointing his fingers went out straight away to the maimed king pelles and touched his wound then suddenly he uprose from his bed as whole a man as ever he was and praised god passing thankfully with all his heart then sir galahad sir bors and sir percival departed as they had been told and when they had ridden three days they came to the seashore and found the ship awaiting them therein they entered and saw in the midst the silver table and the vessel of the sangreal covered with red samite then were they passing glad and made great reverence thereto and sir galahad prayed that now he might leave the world and pass to god and presently the while he prayed a voice said to him galahad thy prayer is heard and when thou askest the death of the body thou shalt have it and find the life of thy soul but while they prayed and slept the ship sailed on and when they woke they saw the city of saras before them and the other ship wherein was sir percival's sister then the three knights took up the holy table and the sangreal and went into the city and there in a chapel they buried sir percival's sister right solemnly now at the gate of the town they saw an old cripple sitting whom sir galahad called to help them bear their weight truly said the old man it is ten years since i have gone a step without these crutches care ye not said sir galahad rise now and show good will so he essayed to move and found his limbs as strong as any man's might be and running to the table helped to carry it anon there rose a rumour in the city that a cripple had been healed by certain marvellous strange knights but the king named esturans who was a heathen tyrant when he heard thereof took sir galahad and his fellows and put them in prison in a deep hole therein they abode a great while but ever the sangreal was with them and fed them with marvellous sweet food so that they fainted not but had all joy and comfort they could wish at the year's end the king fell sick and felt that he should die then sent he for the three knights and when they came before him prayed their mercy for his trespasses against them so they forgave him gladly and anon he died then the chief men of the city took counsel together who should be king in his stead and as they talked a voice cried in their midst choose ye the youngest of the three knights king esturans cast into prison for your king at that they sought sir galahad and made him king with the assent of all the city and else they would have slain him but within a twelve month came to him upon a certain day as he prayed before the sangreal a man in likeness of a bishop with a great company of angels round about him who offered mass and afterwards called to sir galahad 
Come forth, thou servant of the Lord, for the time hath come thou hast desired so long. Then Sir Galahad lifted up his hands and prayed, Now, blessed Lord, would I no longer live, if it might please thee. Anon the bishop gave him the sacrament, and when he had received it with unspeakable gladness, he said, Who art thou, father? I am Joseph of Arimathea, answered he, whom our Lord hath sent to bear thee fellowship. When he heard that, Sir Galahad went to Sir Percival and Sir Bors, and kissed them and commended them to God, saying, Salute for me Sir Lancelot my father, and bid him remember this unstable world. Therewith he kneeled down and prayed, and suddenly his soul departed, and a multitude of angels bare it up to heaven. Then came a hand from heaven, and took the vessel and the spear, and bare them out of sight. Since then was never man so hardy as to say that he had seen the Sangreal. And after all these things Sir Percival put off his armour, and betook him to an hermitage, and within a little while passed out of this world. And Sir Bors, when he had buried him beside his sister, returned weeping sore for the loss of his two brethren to King Arthur at Camelot. End of chapter 12 Recording by Thomas Rose